Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Level up your listening with Bose QuietComfort Ultra Earbuds and Headphones with immersive sound and world-class noise cancellation for a not-so-silent night. Visit Bose.com slash Spotify to shop sound that's more than a present. I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Welcome, welcome, guys. Today, I want to talk about optimism, positivity, and the flip side of that coin, toxic positivity, not negativity, toxic positivity. But before we jump in, I wanted to let you know two pretty interesting things that I am doing, having, I don't know how to phrase it. Anyway, I want to bring your attention. I think I mentioned this guy in another podcast, but I went and re-listened to a podcast with Alex Levinovitz, and he's the author of a book called Natural, How Faith in Nature's Goodness Leads to Harmful Fads, Unjust Laws, and Flawed Science. He has a great interview with Joe Rogan, and I highly recommend you give it a listen. It really is all about how The word natural or the idea of something being natural has kind of infiltrated our world. And I think with kids, especially, I hear it all the time, like we're as natural as possible. And he explores, you know, natural isn't necessarily better. Coronavirus pandemics, viruses that kill people, those are natural. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and vaccines are not. So or you could argue that, you know, what you know, if you believe in God, God made humans and hum- anything humans make is natural. It's a real interesting exploration. And I love questioning, you know, I consider myself sort of a hippy dippy mom person. I do like things as in their natural state as much as possible, you know, and I just found it a very interesting concept and a very interesting podcast. So give it a listen because it's good to challenge you know, he says some things that you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And my thinking was really flawed there. The next thing I have to tell you about is a person on Instagram uh, messaged me. They were potty training, but they own this company called Fatco. And 
the dad was like, can I send you some samples of our products? They're tallow-based skin products. And when I tell you these products are to die for, and I'm not getting paid for this or anything, but check it out. They have a deodorant, all natural (laughs) deodorant. By that, I mean, it has no aluminum. Yeah. And we know that that's bad, especially for women because we shave our armpits. And so our pores are open and crap can get in there. So I have tried and tried and tried to find like an all natural deodorant and I work out hard. You guys, I do obstacle course races in August and I sweat like a pig. Actually, I don't even know pig sweat, but anyway, I've spent hundreds, if not thousands on attempting to find a natural deodorant and they never, ever, ever work. So I always have like some version of a natural deodorant as well as a commercial deodorant for like races. So I don't kill people with my BO. So (laughs) I liked native. I was using native for a little while, but it wasn't quite holding up to my races now that I'm racing again. And Fatco has a natural deodorant that is to die for and it works. And so I'm just not shutting up about it. And the best thing about it is it works, but it also, if you have any experience with natural deodorants, they um, tend to crumble. They tend to uh, not hold their texture. And this one is staying smooth and goes on like silk. So I love it. And I love using tallow. Tallow is beef fat that's been rendered. And I think anything that goes on your skin, you should be able to eat because we absorb it, you know? And so in defense of the all natural, I also like the idea of using tallow and using all parts of an animal. So anyway, those are just two things. But let's move on to optimism and positivity. So before the pandemic, there was definitely a trend of anxiety in kids And then, of course, the pandemic made it worse, including anxiety in like our little guys. And a lot of parents, you know, of course, we have to deal with like anxiety as an acute issue, but also it's like, how do you raise an optimistic kid? Or I'll get that message a lot. You know, my kid's just really negative. How do I how do I raise a positive kid? So let's look at the definition of positive and the definition Webster's definition of optimism. So Webster defined optimism as a doctrine that the world is the best possible world. And number two, an inclination to put the most favorable construction upon actions, events, and to anticipate favorable outcomes. I think that's it, to anticipate favorable outcomes. And I think some of this with optimism is born out of what do I want to say? Like cumulative experiences. Yeah. And so sometimes we have to break our own patterns because we have, you know, if something always goes wrong, you are the person who then you are anticipating something always going wrong. If something does always go favorable, you know, there are people, myself included, that like, I'm lucky. I find money. I have really great I remember, I'll tell you a really quick story about travel. I started traveling, you know, in my late teens, early twenties, and I would drive my mother crazy because I would get on a plane and I would not have booked the hotel. And remember, this was before the internet. I would not have booked the hotel. I would have not arranged transportation. And I was like, ma, I'm going to Paris. Like they have cabs, they have hotels. I'll find something. I moved to San Francisco. I took a Greyhound bus to San Francisco from Rhode Island, 3000 miles. I did not have a job. I did not have an apartment. I had no clue what I was going to do. And it all worked out. I literally had a job within eight hours of getting there, but I now have that cumulative experience that I, I can get on a plane anywhere and I know it's going to work out. Does it always? Eh. 
Not necessarily, but the glitches that happen, I stay optimistic about it because I'm lucky because these things happen to me. So I do think that happens with optimism that we kind of stack experiences. You know what I'm saying? Now, positivity is slightly different. It's thinking in an optimistic way, which is like a tail-eating snake, right? (laughs) It is the practice of being positive. It is looking for solutions, expecting good results and success, and focusing on making life happier and seeing the bright side of life. I like that positivity. The definition had the practice of being positive. So I think that positivity is a state, you know, and I think it's this practice that you get really good at. Whereas I think optimism tends to be like per, I don't know, I think maybe they're the same. I was really sitting on these two definitions and I was like, are they the same? And I was trying to really pull them apart. I think maybe optimism is more about like certain situations. Yeah. Regardless, they are very similar, right? And studies have found that Kids are generally speaking, very, very positive beings. And they will actually, like if somebody does one nice thing for them, they see that person sort of blanketly as positive. And they won't see negative until the person does several negative things. So one positive buys a lot of positivity and it takes several things to knock that person down in a child's eyes. And I think that's funny because as adults, I think we have two things going on. We have one that is like, I've talked about this a lot. One person says something negative about you, a hundred people compliment you. And for some reason you can't get rid of the negative. Right. But I think when it comes to relations, I know for myself, like a person who does something nice for me, I'm like glowing and they really will have to do like a lot of negative things before I'm like, wait a minute, I might have to cut you out of my life. You know what I mean? So I feel like that is maybe a human tendency as well. But uh, this is, it's such a strong driving kids to be positive. They will actually discount negative information from people who really know something and in turn it instead to positive things from strangers. So I thought that was a very interesting uh, fact. This positivity, this optimism in people, in seeing life, this is early as three and it peaks in middle school and it usually wanes right before adolescence, which makes sense because teens just, I don't know what happens. It's like this black, it's hormonal and it's so interesting because I've mentioned before, Pascal is, I feel like he's a really great teen. I feel like he's having a pretty easy time of teenagehood. I do see other kids who I feel like their hormones or whatever's going on at home, they're having a much harder time. And I can see there, I can see in his friends, their emotions are pinging like all over the place, but all of them have this cloud where it's just like, they see the negative so quickly. It's so interesting to me. And so I'm sort of counteracting that with my upbeat self that I am told is very cringy by my son, but I don't care. I'm going to, (laughs) I'm going to keep being as upbeat and positive as I can. Um, So I do think though, this really, you can see this in your life, right? Like kids will give you endless chances. And I always, I work with parents of toddlers and, and of course parents are so afraid they're really fucking it up and really afraid they're doing psychological damage by like, you know, reprimanding their child or, you know, not allowing them to do something. I'm like, do you, kids are so resilient. Like even coming out of this pandemic, like they're going to be fine. It may not look like the way we think it's going to look, but, but they're very resilient, especially at these young ages. So no one really quite knows why kids are, you know, why they're skewed towards positive. I think it 
for me, it makes sense. There's some sort of Einstein quote that it's like it it makes sense to believe that we live in a benevolent world. Like otherwise, if you really thought the world was horrible, you're going to live in a horrible state of existence. And certainly we have horrible things happening in, in our world today. But it's amazing. If you get a, a chance, the search for meaning, oh, I'll try to look up the guy. I'll put it in the show notes. It's about a guy who went through the Holocaust and the um, he was at Auschwitz. And it's really about how the people who made it through Auschwitz had a hopeful and optimistic outlook. And it's not toxic positivity. They weren't being false, but they would find things that were good about the situation that they were in that was horrific. One story was that there were, um, they had like a huge flea outbreak and it was, you know, horrific and everybody was so itchy, but it kept the guards out of the cabins, the shacks. And so the people, there were people who reported being really happy with the fleas because they were able to plot and plan things without the guards being there. And so again, not a, not a false positivity, but that like seeing things or, or this gentleman who wrote the book was talking about how planning the future, planning to see his children, that's what kept people alive and hopeful, you know? So I think that really shows the power of optimism. We don't know why that kids lean towards positivity, but one thing the researchers have found is that it's easier to be positive in the West. And I think, number one, we do have as much as, you know, we hate the certain things that are going on in our country, we still have it way better than a ton of other places. Um, But one of the things about our kids is that, of course, we can sometimes lean into um, individualism and Overpraising. And so kids, you know, naturally thinking that they're great, you know, <laughs> the world is great. And so that it leans more heavily when we have individualistic complimenting and praising going on, which I, again, I thought was very, very interesting. Now, there aren't any set ways to raise an optimistic kid across the board. I think this and, and research has you know, backed it up is that it's modeling. It's how you are in your life and in your home. And it's bizarre to me because I know people in my life who think they are super positive people. They tell me, you know, I'm so positive. I see the bright side of life. I really mind my words. I make sure I'm saying the right things. And they're they're so negative and you can see it. So really look at yourself and think about how, not just how you say things, but how you think. Like, do you have a base feeling of, of badness? So I know some people who think that all drivers who cut you off are just fucking assholes. And I had really like changed my lens a long time ago about like, if the people are cutting me off, maybe they're just in a rush. Maybe they're in labor. Maybe they their mom's taking their last breath. I don't know. Like maybe the person who's driving in the breakdown lane is really, um, has to get home for some reason. And just, and, and it's so funny because my brother is very, very negative and he'll be like, Ugh, like that's not happening. But I, when I choose that lens, I <laughs> It makes the world a happier place. I don't hit the road bitter. You know what I mean? And so 
I have a core belief that people are good. I have a core belief that you're not born bad. People are good and people will rise to the occasion. And I am met with that almost 100% of the time. And and I'm not saying like, I'm not talking about like woo woo, like I, you know, I'm manifesting this, although we could go down that rabbit hole, but I'm talking about like just an expectation that things are going to go well. And guess what? It almost never goes well. Like there, I almost always run into a jerk or I almost always run into a problem or a glitch. It's like, not that it goes smoothly, but it changes my perception of it. And so I'm like, oh, little bump in the road. Okay. And I, I move on. And I think that that is modeling is the most important thing. So really watch and try to catch yourself throughout the day and see where you might be being like, oh, well, yeah, that's, you know, daddy's always late. You know, it's not surprising. Or we all have a, like a hidden pocket and maybe even ask a friend or, or your spouse to check in with you and see if they have information. Cause sometimes I swear people can be so blind to this. It's crazy. But if we're going to talk about positivity and trying to model it, we really have to talk about toxic positivity or false positivity. So Toxic positivity came to my mind. And I think I mentioned this in like the trauma episodes. Years ago, I was engaged to a guy who ended up being like an extreme narcissist. And his actual thing was like yoga. And he used yoga in a narcissistic way. And I started to look around, and this is not a slam on yoga in general. I love yoga, but I started to look around, especially yoga in America. And I realized that there were people who were you know, they take like one yoga class and decide like, oh, I want to be a teacher. And the practice of yoga as a practice throughout the years globally was people became teachers because they had developed a practice over years and years and years. And people like, oh, I would like to study under you. So this idea of like just anybody who has no background in yoga going up and signing up for a 200 hour yoga teacher training is an interesting one. And I had found that in the yoga community, at least around where I live, was what I call a spiritual bypassing. So it's people who aren't actually doing their work. They might sit in meditation, but they're glossing over all their shit. More importantly, they're glossing over the human experience. And you know toxic positivity because it is a glossing over of the human experience. And the human experience is all about feelings. And I recently read an article about anger and how so many people in the yoga community or the spiritual community start thinking. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. Come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus. You know, you shouldn't have anger, and anger is a powerful emotion. And yes, you should feel anger, and you should let it go through you and move it and use it constructively. You don't want it to implode on you. You don't want it to boomerang on you. You don't want it to, to lash out at other people. But to think that it shouldn't exist is not healthy and it's not allowing for the range of experience. 
And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we have a toxic positivity with our kids and we're unaware of it. And I'll, I'll really unpack that in a few minutes. But we, I see this time and time again from the most conscious parents, from the parents who want to do the most gentle parenting, they do not allow their child the full range of emotion. And if you haven't seen a three-year-old in action, you're going to see the full human uh, range of emotion before breakfast, probably. And so parents will rush to fix the feeling. Oh my God, Let he's screaming. I have to stop him. Let him scream. This is where that go to your room strategy happens, right? Let him scream. Let him be angry. Let him say he hates you. Let him have his feelings. Don't try to change or fix them. That is part of the toxic positivity, okay? So the Webster definition of toxic positivity is the overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state that results in the denial or minimalization and invalidation of the authentic human experience. And you will know it if you see it, because you might say to a person, you know, you might be upset about a death. You, oh, death, death drives me fucking nuts. Oh, well, she's in a better place now. That's toxic positivity. No, my mother is not in a better place now. I want my mother alive and in front of me. The human range of emotion is grief. And when somebody tries to minimize that grief or gloss over that grief, that's when you feel that toxic positivity. One that drives me crazy in the birth world is, you know, you have a birth plan. You go in with a birth plan. I know, like for me, I'm single. I always wanted a child. I planned my birth the way some women planned their wedding. I wanted, this was important to me. I didn't know how much I was going to do this. I didn't know if I got one shot. So I made a birth plan. And I know a lot of women do. And then, you know, your birth plan goes awry. Mine certainly did. Your birth plan goes totally awry, fucked up. Who knows what happens? I didn't have an emergency C-section, but women do. And, you know, you're trashed through your birth. It's just nothing like you wanted. And you come out the other side and people are like, well, at least the baby, you know, but you have a healthy, happy baby. You should be happy. Fuck you. And the horse you rode in on, that is toxic positivity. I get to grieve that things didn't go my way and to have a sympathetic ear. And I actually sat on a panel for midwives at a hospital because they were like, well, what else are we supposed to say? And I was like, sorry, I'm sorry you didn't have the birth you wanted. I'm sorry this sucked. I'm sorry. You know, like instead of, well, at least the baby's healthy. I get that. I know my baby's healthy, but still. So anyway, these are and that's just a toxic positivity I can't stand, but I see it all the time. I see it and it, it comes out of this yoga community. And it it started with people who didn't do their work. And so they somehow have this idea that we just float above the human experience of emotions. And, you know, you'll hear it in like good vibes only. Oh, all I see is love. People who may not may not get involved in politics at all or not, you know, oh, I don't concern myself with that. I'm just about love. It's like, yeah, but this is like our daily existence, like laws matter with like, you know, even if you don't get involved in the nonsense at the national level, getting involved at the local level, this is your life, you know? So it is this bypassing. But mostly, again, I just, I can't deal with denying the range of human emotion because it's so important to me. And it's just one of those things that I have learned, not just with kids, but as myself, the more you think that you shouldn't have this anger or it shouldn't just ride through you or that you can't use it constructively or that your grief should be done by now. You know, your mom died five years ago. Why are you still grieving? 
no, 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 no. You should be grieving as long as you need to grieve. And it would be nice as if as humans, we recognize that we could help each other through so much more, you know, and you can help your child through so much more when you let them have the feelings. If you Google toxic positivity, there's some great graphics that come up. Um, I'm going to run through one of them because I thought it was really great. So what I'll do is I'll first say the toxic positivity thing, and then I'll say something that you could say instead. And then I'm going to run through that with, with kids because I do feel like we run into this a lot in our parenting. So the toxic positivity thing to say is, oh, you'll get over it. Instead, you could say, it's hard, but I believe in you. Don't be so negative. It's okay to feel bad sometimes. Always look on the bright side. It can be difficult to see the good in this situation, but we'll make sense of it when we can. Failure is not an option. A failure is part of growth. Think happy thoughts. Things can get really tough. I'm here for you. It could be worse. Sometimes we experience bad things. How can I support you? I think we all do that. Oh, well, it could be worse. Of course it could be worse. Like, (laughs) I mean, I... I don't live an extravagant life, but you know, I live a pretty basic, simple life. Of course it could be tons worse, you know, but in the moment when I'm saying something and I don't, you know, I think sometimes too, what probably happens is toxic positivity comes in when you hang out with like a really negative person and you're just sick of hearing it. That can happen too. And you might need to cut that person out of your life or have a chat with them. But these blanket statements, right? Like think happy thoughts, Dude, do you think if it were that easy, people would think happy thoughts? Of course they would. And happy thoughts get you nowhere, you know, like happiness. I was just talking to a friend the other day and I said, you know, we were talking about homeschooling and I said, one of my core reasons for homeschooling was I wanted my child to be happy. And I said, I'm not talking about happy in a spoiled way. Like he gets things or that happy that he doesn't have to go to school or wake up early. Not that happiness. I want this like core inside beautiful nugget of happiness that radiates out, that he's comfortable in his own skin, that he has had time to work through his emotions and uh, his lessons in life. And and the person I was talking to was like super, she was like, yes, I, I understand that. And so there are people who have that core happiness and no amount, if you don't have it or you're going through a depression or you're going through some grief, you can't just cover that shit with happy thoughts. Like, you know what I mean? So that's a really... That's a really nasty one. But anyway, there is a great book. A, a friend and patron suggested a great book called Bright Sided by Barbara Ehrenreich. And I love the title. I love the play on like blindsided, but you're bright sided. I haven't read it yet, but I love, I'm going to get it. I like the reviews because it is, it's about this toxic positivity and how it really sort of wrecks things. But let's look at the toxic positivity in kids and how we do it to our kids and maybe how we can just get a little better at it. And I know, again, I think it comes, some of the toxic positivity comes with our kids because they wear us out in a day. They do have, again, the full range of human emotion several times a day. They can be very, very taxing. And I think we get tired. And so it's not that we mean to minimize their human range of emotion or their human existence. It's that we're tired. And so I think it's really handy sometimes to maybe make a list. And we'll be making a graphic of this that you can maybe print out and put on your fridge so that in these moments when you are exhausted, you don't have to think too hard. <laughs> um, and, and a lot of this is, remember, this is a practice. And I say this about parenting in general. It's a practice that you 
are not good at at first and that you will get better and will become second nature and that it's not a destination and and don't think it is. So I'd say the number one, and I'm going to go off on a rant, the number one toxic positivity in kids is good job. Oh, if we could all eradicate that from our vocabularies, I'd be the happiest person on the planet. I can barely go to a playground. Good job. Good job. Good job. Good job. And it's always said in this saccharine voice. Yeah. And it never, it's always, always a brush off. It is, I'm tired of looking at you, but I need to acknowledge you. So I'm going to say good job. It means nothing. I don't know if you are following me on Instagram, but I did a post um, last week about be careful. Yeah. Be careful, be careful and how meaningless it is and how it becomes nothing if their kids ignore it. But more importantly, like if we really do need them to be mindful of something in front of them, be careful isn't the right word, right? So we want to be effective. Now, good job. The thing I don't like about, about good job is it's a weak acknowledgement and it really bypasses whatever your kid is actually showing you. So let's dissect just a couple of them because I think it's really important. I think there's a few areas in which we good job our kids to death. One is like artwork. They come to you with a piece of paper and they're like, let me look, look what I did. And you say, oh, good job. Ugh. You know, if you really want to look at your child's artwork, there's a couple of things that I would say about good job in artwork and in like physical feats or, you know, mommy, watch me, mommy, watch me. Oh, good job. I think it's fair to acknowledge your kid, but not everything is great. So I remember Pascal went through this, like, mommy, watch me. And he, he could do some fun, cool skills. And I'd be like, wow, you were, you know, I could see that you really worked on that hard. You must be proud of yourself. And then he'd do something asinine, like mommy, watch me. And he'd do like, he'd jump. And I was like, stop. You've been jumping since you were two. Cut it out. That's not like, I'm not going to tell you that's a good job. <laughs> right? Or you know how sometimes your kid gets on a, on a tear with artwork and they'll just draw like nonsense. It'll be like a circle. And, and you're like, I mean, if it's your kid's first circle and they're like 20 months. Yeah. Then you're like, wow, you made a circle with your crayon. And I, that's great. You know, that might warrant a compliment, but if your kid's five and they draw a circle, like don't good job them. That's not even a good job. That's nothing you can. And you can jokingly say that to your kid. Like you don't have to praise. They go through this stage where they want to see, they want the praise, but they don't want to do the work. And that's like, just that's human nature, right? (laughs) And so you can make it light. It doesn't have to be like tiger mom, like you did nothing, but it can be uh, that. But if you want to acknowledge, remember the big thing with good job is we want to acknowledge the effort. We don't want to acknowledge the outcome. Acknowledging the outcome is the thing that leads to entitlement, right? And it also leads to perfectionistic learning and kids who won't take risks because they want the perfect outcome. And a lot of times it comes easy to these kids. The effort might come easy, but the outcome, they are striving for just the perfect outcome. And so we know that we want to praise the effort. I mean, this is this is like well-studied now and well-researched at this point. So you want to praise the effort. So I can see you worked really hard on that math problem or, you know, wow, you, your alphabet is looking very neat. I can see you working very hard on making, you know, staying on the line with your ABCs. Wow. I, you know, thank you for putting your blocks away. I really appreciate the help. Those kinds of things, instead of good job, good job, good job. I could think of probably a thousand, but I think you guys get the idea. Specificity, specificity in what 
about the thing do you actually like? You know, what about the thing do you really want to acknowledge? And I'd say one of the things with artwork that Pascal's school taught me, his preschool taught me that I love is always just ask, oh, can you tell me about it? And you unleash a conversation that is amazing and awesome. And a lot of times the kids will take their picture and as they're telling you about it, they'll be like, oh my God, I forgot to do this. And they'll go back and do more. And it it really opens a box of creativity and awesomeness. So I encourage you to do that with the artwork is like, hey, can you tell me about it? Or, you know, if they do something amazing, they do a forward roll. Hey, can you tell me about it? How, how did that feel? Were you nervous? Because you went downhill really fast. So you can open a conversation instead of just good jobbing them. And of course, that is ideal, right? Kids want to converse with us. And a lot of times their nonsense behavior, I call it nonsense behavior because it's not quite bad, but it's like they have some nonsense behavior. Asking why about everything is nonsense behavior. You don't have a genius child who really wants to get to the bottom of things. So they all go through why. And it's literally, they want to converse with you. They want a back and forth dialogue. So it's nonsense though, right? Because you're like, oh my God, stop asking why. (laughs) And that's one of the places where you could open a huge dialogue. Tell me about it. Tell me about the work that went into it. Were you nervous? How did you feel? Those are great questions to acknowledge without saying good job and the mindlessness. Another one, your child falls and they skin their knees, brushing off the knees. You're fine. Go play. Eh, Yeah. You know, if you have a kid, like somebody like Pascal, I probably would have done that only because he was so dramatic and he Oh my God, he'd get an abrasion. And you know how there's like a little tiny bit of blood, like a little bubble of blood. He'd like tell my mom that he was bleeding out. He was so dramatic. And so, you know, in that case, I might've said you're fine because I just didn't want, you know, the dramatics. (laughs) Um, But that is a toxic positivity. You know, maybe they're not fine. They're not fine. It was scary. A lot of times with kids, just hurting themselves is scary. So acknowledging that, wow, were you scared? You're fine glosses over that, right? Like you're, you know, you might say like, oh my God, that, that was really scary. Did it scare you? Here, let me kiss it better. How's that feel? Okay. Now you can go play. And a lot of times when you lean into the feeling and don't gloss over it with toxic positivity, the child gets over it much faster. Oh, it could be worse. I think this probably happens. You know, sometimes we say this mindlessly or like, oh, you have such a hard life. Oh, it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse, but the kids don't know that. Like my son does not have any clue how worse it could be. So it does me no good to tell him. Like he has no frame of reference, even as a teenager, he might be starting to get an inkling, but he's had a pretty cush life. So does your kid, I'm sure. So that's just a meaningless one. Uh, Really other one is you can do it. I know you can do it. Uh, Oh, I know what it is. It's fake cheerleading. Don't fake cheerlead. So that's with good job. And that's like, you can do it. No, be specific. Like, well, I can see you're nervous. I I know I always think of an example of like a kid learning to climb a ladder for the first time. And they're like at the playground and they're really nervous. They don't have the like hand, then the foot, hand, then the foot, hand, then the foot. So they, they get stuck. You know, they usually get like two hands on a rung and two feet on a rung and then they don't know where to go with it. And so, you you know, you hear parents, you can do it, you can do it. But they need more help or they need to acknowledge, hey, I can see you're kind of nervous about that. If you put your hand up, put your hand up one. There you go. All right, cool. So again, it's this like, not this fake cheerleading, but a really specific thing. And that goes along with don't give up. I think one of the better lessons in life is learning when to quit and quitting early if if you're gonna. And, to, and I'm not alone in this. This is a, a, a high 
skill in business, you know, knowing when to quit. Sometimes you're putting a square peg in a round hole. And so this like toxic, you know, positivity, don't give up. You can do it. That's just glossing over. You know, you want to acknowledge, Hey, I see you're really struggling. Why don't we, why don't we stop with this? And maybe we can pick it up tomorrow. Maybe we don't, maybe, you know, maybe we don't finish this puzzle. Maybe we don't do X, Y, and Z. And, and so that don't give up. Those are just a couple that I have, you know, picked off the top of my head. I'm sure there are a ton more because again, I think with parenting, it comes out of, I think we don't know what else to say. And I also think we're exhausted and like, same thing with, with our friends and, certain situations is like, we don't know what to say. We're really bad as humans is acknowledging and witnessing other people's pain and other people's anger. And so we do kind of want to surf over it, but I think it's really important because when we think about raising optimistic kids and positive kids, and when we start examining our own tendency so we can be better models for it, I think we get, we can easily tip over into that toxic positivity. And it's, it's just, I hate it so much again, but I might, I might err on the side of too many feelings (laughs) because I love the richness. Like for me, all the feelings are just so incredibly valid. And it just is what makes this like rich tapestry of communication and life with our friends and family and our relationships so yeah, so modeling and avoiding toxic positivity. That's your, that's your soundbite. <laughs> All right, you guys, as always, rock on. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, Yummy New Book Presale Treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified Oh Crap consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.